Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Ingrid May released the album Holy Smoke in 2019 and now has a new album, Closing Time, which showcases her country pop and rock talents. There's quite a lot of soul in there as well. I'm going to talk to her about the album. Hi, Ingrid. Hello. Nice to meet you, Sophie. Thanks for talking to me. A pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed this album. I have quite a few questions for it. And I'm going to start by asking you, when did you start writing for Closing Time? I am... I'm always writing, so I think that um, I always say to the guys in the band, like, I've written a new song. I probably write at least a song a week and sometimes I write a song every day. So uh, to answer in a quick, short, efficient way. Doesn't um, have to be. (laughs) 2018 and probably... um, 2019 some of the songs but there's how do you do it or as the single's called how you do it I wrote that um earlier than that wayside probably a couple of months before the album and country queens was a late comer so that was one of those songs that the album was done and it was sitting there and it was ready just for a final vocal and I wrote the song and I said the album needs this uplifting kind of a vibey boppiness to just balance it better and Paul's like rock guy is uh well really the album's done Ingrid stop throwing stuff at me but we did it anyway so Country Queens was after everything was done so it was probably early 2020 I think. So when you write that many songs I imagine it makes it difficult to pick what will go on the album unless do you see some of the songs as basically like clearing the way for the songs that you're going to end up recording? Um, I sometimes write the similar song that I'm trying to write over and over. So I might have five or six songs that I've written about um, a V8 engine and some guy and it might be a vacuous, I might think it's a vacuous, vague song about some hot person, but I'll... I'll write it and write it and I I probably write four or five that I group together. I'm terrible because I group my songs together. I don't know if anyone else does that. But I say, oh, this is like a Western suicidal song. This is like a boppy Robert Palmer vibe. And I'll kind of group them into little groups and then I'll say, that doesn't fit in the album if we're going to tell a story. That doesn't fit. That stands out. That's um, that's too dark. You know what I mean? And I'll just yeah. knock them out like that. And then Rock Guy, who is, to explain to your viewers and listeners who he is, he's my partner slash drummer slash co-producer on all of my albums. And he is my um, my greatest fan and also my greatest critic. So... <laughs> We have a really good understanding. I'll, if I write it's normally in the morning, um, I'll write like really early in the morning. Like when I, what I call early is like 7.30 in the morning. You know what I mean? Like just had a coffee, that's the time. Right. And um, he'll tell me it's great, it's good. No, it's not. He's so discerning and he's got such a great, um, what's the word, vision, and and when I explain a song and I say this is what I hear with the drums and this is what I hear with the guitars and I'll 
sometimes I'll know the lead breaks and I'll hum them to him, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, so I'll get that input. But it's a very long answer. Um, no, it's get great. thrown out. A lot get thrown out. <laughs> I always find the process so interesting because yeah it's work I always have people love to hear about work and it's your work process and every songwriter has their own way of doing things some some people will write a lot and then it's you know the ones they end up recording and what it has emerged from that process but I love the idea that you have these categories for songs where you're like no it's that kind of song and I don't Want to have it? Yeah. Although I would like to hear the song about the V8 and the hot guy. Like that's I've got one, and that is going to be recorded in the next couple of months. So I'll give you. I might send you the demo now, so you can hear it. Because that sounds like fun, and, and it's fun. Ain't fun at this point. <laughs> so it sounds like you and Paul have have a good dynamic. Well, it's. Seems like you appreciate the constructive criticism. Um, maybe not at seven thirty in the morning, but it's a good dynamic. Has it always been there, or has this developed over the course of your working together? It's it's always been there. I when I'm not an artist that naturally came out going like the frog in that cartoon. Hello, my honey. Hello, my baby. And I'm you know I was so shy and so introverted in my music and no one had heard my original songs so I was 35 I know I'm not telling everyone my age now I'm like but at the time I was 35 um and no one had heard any of my original songs they were just sitting I was playing in my bedroom and Paul actually overheard one of them and said what's that what are you doing so that's how my original music came so Paul has always had a great ear for just grabbing and motivating and saying you can do it and um, he's my number one supporter so I wouldn't be doing this if Paul hadn't found me I think I'd probably still be doing you know mundane things and um, I wouldn't be creating music so up until that point, had you been performing? So bef- so you were writing songs. Were you were you performing but doing covers at that time? I was performing and doing covers. I um I came from a musical childhood. So my dad always played in, at weddings um, and at festivals and stuff to help pay the mortgage. So dad was always a weekend musician, and um, he worked at a reception lounge in Cabramatta called the Etruscan. So that was in the 70s, so around, you know, the time when I was born. And um, it was really great money in the 70s. So he was able to, you know, um, provide me, had a a day job as well. And I always, um, from a young age, used to just sing along with him and sang harmonies. And then um, I was probably 12 or 13 and I'd get all dressed up, put on an outfit and I'd play um, with the band, when I say play, I'd have a tambourine and I'd be like, you know, I'd be the girl in the band with the tambourine. Um, but country music was always there. I, I always loved Patsy Cline mm-hmm. and um, my dad encouraged me to learn the organ. So I played the organ in church. I hated the organ. I wanted to play guitar and my dad was like, there's already a guitar player in the family. You should play keys because, you know, keys will complement the guitar. But I was such a syncopator. I loved drumming. I loved strumming. And the piano, the keys, the organ weren't cutting it for me. Do you know what I mean? So I was a really bad guitar player probably until I was in my my 30s and then I thought, no, I'm really going to 
pick up his guitar and just learn how to play all the chords. And I actually went out and played two years full-time in the Sydney Covers circuit. So I played Circular Key. I played to all the drums. Hello, if you recognise me from George Street. I did all of that. (laughs) And, yeah, I believe the title track, Closing Time, is written about that experience. That is written about that experience. Look, some people really love the experience. Maybe if I... um, I sang in a few cover bands um, in my 20s, but I think when you're older and you're you're in your 30s and you're doing it, I think it's very different. I think that your, if I call it like your enamel is mm-hmm. wears off and mm-hmm. so things impact you a bit more. Um, now now I'm probably more seasoned. It doesn't affect me as much. We, we just did an after races in the country last uh, couple of weekends ago. That would have been fun. And that didn't bother me, but I had to reprimand everyone and say, oi, you, out. And, like, and um, you have to have that relationship with the crowd. And I think if I hadn't built that over all those gigs where it's terrible and there's three people in high vis show up and they're smoking all over you, you know what I mean? I, I probably couldn't have dealt with stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm also thinking, you know, your experience singing with your dad at the reception lounge, the Etruscan. Um, yeah. That is so evocative when you said, like, the reception lounge in Cameramatta called the Etruscan is like, I can just picture yeah. what the parties would have been like. Um, but yeah, wedding crowds are not necessarily as rowdy as the post races crowd, but they're not necessarily listening either. So you no. really have to try to work to engage them and, and get the party started. So that would have been a great education. Yeah. I, I've always loved singing with my dad and I must get my dad to, um, he's also got a really good voice, so I must get him to do a song with me because he actually said the last time he was down, we need to do a song together, Ingrid. And I said, well, I haven't written a suitable one that a father-daughter can sing together. They're all kind of lovers or something so when I find one we're going to sing it together so I do like the fact that he suggested you learn organ which is completely not a portable instrument (laughs) he was trying to make sure you were not going anywhere yeah yeah (laughs) I hated it sorry sorry everyone I I played in church I hated it I didn't know like there are prompts that you need to play like for the liturgy and all this stuff and I went to a catholic school but I was pretty crap. I think there was a nun prodding me saying, play that, it's the homily, you know, and I was like, oh, okay. But I was so little. I was yeah. little. Yeah. It's, and it's a, big, it's a big instrument to undertake, I think, more serious than piano, the organ. But um, going back to the albums, you said that uh, I saw you say online that, you, that if Holy Smoke was outlaw country, closing time gets back to the hideout. Yes. Because like you said, I'm wondering if you had a sense of the direction the album was going to take when you started writing or writing it, or was it only once you started recording it? No, when I when I started to write a lot of the songs and I, I, I didn't start writing the songs for the album, I just kind of wanted to outwrite songs, if that mm. makes sense. And I had in mind that this was going to be um, Billy Joe Spears, Kenny Rogers, kind of an upbeat album and because I had the songs, well, I thought I had the songs for that album. Mm-hmm. And then when we um, sat down, it was Paul, Brad and myself. Paul is rock guy, so I might alternate between saying <laughs> he's Monica, rock guy and Paul. Um, but the, the three of us kind of sat down and I literally just played them acoustically, how I wrote them and um, 
we listened through and there were about 32 songs that I I sat and played through and um, everyone kind of went, you know, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and did a short list. And um, so the album took on a different, and, and maybe it's Brad's fault, Brad. I think it's your fault, Brad, because Brad said, oh, I love I love this. And it was, um, I think it was Wayside, No SOS, because they were songs that didn't have homes. And I thought, I've never written a song like Wayside. Is it too confronting to talk about having fallen by the wayside? And I thought the lyrical imagery was really quite dark for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and No SOS I thought was just weird because I'd imagined that rhythmic guitar to have like a emergency Morse code sound at the start. Right. And I knew it had that, and it was that, which is literally SOS, right? So, but as soon as they heard them, but they just loved those ones. And I'm like, well, hang on. I I thought I've got this song called Twice as Good, and it's a duet, and it's like, you know, I can imagine like Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton singing. And they're like, no, no, we like this gritty stuff. We like this darker. moody stuff you've really Mm. um the western stuff which um was surprising to me so it just happened that way yeah we should say brad is bradley bergen who was a um collaborator on the album um and no sos is the new single from the album so can you tell us a bit about what the song is what the storyline is all those sorts of things um no sos is I think it's like a Western Britney Spears, but but Britney's not back in the early 90s, you know, Britney's experience and maybe she hasn't had the breakdown, I don't know. But, look, it's a mature, in-control woman singing this song. So if you listen to it, you'll think, oh, what does she mean by that? Um, um, Don't stop it now, make it hurt just a little more so I know what I'm worth. Right. And words like that, they're a little bit, if if you take them on first instance, you go, oh, my God, that's terrible. But they're not meant that way. If mm-hmm. you listen to it, the singer is actually, so I'm trying to separate myself from the singer and the songwriter mm. <laughs> to think where my head was at when I wrote it. Um, it's It's in control. The person's not being attacked or assaulted. The person is having a, a good time but they're in control they know it's bad for them but they're actually okay right that it is quite bad that the, it might, the relationship might not be as symbiotic as what they wished it to be you know what mm. I'm saying so yeah. that's why I think it's a really cool song and I think at the end of the day it really is a country song if you if you um it's pretty stripped back as it is and it's I think it's just a country song I mean it's just a different, it's a different song, I think, maybe because of some of the chord choices, that the melody is definitely a country, yeah. country melody. And I love the idea of it being a Western Britney Spears. <laughs> but I, in listening to Holy Smoke and listening to Closing Time, what I could hear on the new album was that you sounded more powerful, if that makes sense, in your vocal. Like there was just a sense of you taking ownership of it. And I'm wondering if there was a shift in how you thought of yourself as an artist between the albums. I think I've never thought 
I've never thought I was good enough to sing. I've always been uh, told that I can't sing something because my voice is a different style of voice. I'm a real alto singer, you know, like Susie DeMarchi from the 90s, like, hello, like, she's awesome, but um, like Melissa Etheridge, so I'm in that kind of vein of singing and I was always, and even when I, I saw vocal coaches and I was told, you know, stop doing that, you have to be like Deborah Hutton, you have to project from the front of the mask, and I'm thinking that, hang on, like, I'm back there, that's where I am, like, that's... yeah. So you're right. So <laughs> you're, you're dead right. I think that I felt more comfortable in my voice for sure. And I think a lot of the reason too, um, when I record vocals, Paul is the audio engineer. So, but you can't have that person who is your partner and the audio engineer also telling you what to do. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, I, so, just imagine, like I'm in there, and he's going, um, "Ingrid, we we need you to do that again." And I'm like, "I roll, like, <laughs> oh, I can't sing it again. That was the best ever. I'm not going to replicate that. Like, you know what I mean?" And if yeah. you, if you watch some of those documentaries about producers who go, "Sing it again, sing it again," and you know they get that one performance that you can't get. Having your partner in the room, it's really hard to put that pressure on your relationship. So we put Brad between Rock Uh, Guy and I. So Brad was like push the button and say, hey, Ingrid, that was really great. We were thinking (laughs) that that draw you did, can you, you know, focus on that and X, Y, Z. And when Brad said it, I was like, yep, sure. But if Paul was to say it, I'd just be like, (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether it's a nerves thing or I don't know what it is, but we found that that worked really well. But, and it's a different dynamic, I guess, when, when it's someone you know so well who's also giving you instructions. Um, but also you, you produced the album with Paul and yes. I wonder if that also gave you a sense of a more more of a sense of power and control over the material So and that fed into how you sang it. I think that um, Paul was so adamant at the beginning and um, even even flat out saying and, and, and even Brad, um, both of them just wanted to make that album sound like what I envisaged, envisaged it to be like in my head. So um, and even sometimes if um, I didn't say no to ideas but if I had a real firm idea, I didn't let it go, you know what I mean, and I, I, I held tight onto, onto those songs I thought for that idea. And the guys were um, did anything, I guess, for it to work. And and if it wasn't going to work, you know, I'd say, well, that sounds terrible. You know, who came up with that idea? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Not me. But um, no, I think that um, I think I'm so lucky. And both of um, and even Eddie, um, Eddie, uh, was the bass player on the album, and. Um, he he never wanted to be involved in the decision making, not much at all. Like so, he um, he loved to just do his part, say something, and um, he never wanted to get involved politically in any argument about something or this riff or that riff or whatever. So he was like the Clyde style of the group that was all like, you know what I mean. So um, sadly, he passed away, and um, 
he it was in May last year, so we're coming up to nearly nearly twelve months of not having him. But we miss him terribly, and um, he he was when I talk about when you asked about when I started to write my music. Ed has been there since the day dot when we started to perform the songs as a trio, mm-hmm. and um, he just jumped up and said, "Yep, I'll be your bass player. I'll drive wherever you want. I'll play whatever gig you want." So um, yeah, just an amazing soul and a beautiful man so yeah it's a great loss that that he's not with us anymore yeah and I imagine it you know shifts the context of your music a bit since he's been there from the start it's like yeah you're now going to make music in a different way which is bittersweet yeah yeah Yeah. um and you mentioned he died in May last year and the 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 music tracks had been recorded um, actually yeah. at the start of twenty twenty. So you had he'd been- heard them. Yes, yeah. he'd heard them. And it was funny because um the week before I said to him, Eddie, do you want to play again? I've got a gig for um three weeks. And he said, um, oh, let's give it another, let's give it another month things and let's see how I feel. And he'd lost his father not long before that. So he was really struggling with the loss of his dad. And um, and let's face it, we'd, we'd kind of, music had just halted and we'd come out of all of the, and I don't know, I just felt like I was just starting to get myself back together after all of that stuff. Um, and who would have thought that waiting, he didn't have the month to wait, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um... There's nothing much I can say, actually. That it's yeah. a, it's a, such an unusual set of circumstances, but um, but you have a body of work that you have created, and you cre- all created together. And uh, and just going back to the recording of the album, so there was quite a gap between you laying down the music tracks and recording your vocals due yeah. to the pandemic. Um, what was it like being on hold for all that time? We um, I think we managed to do. We managed to do the vocals, I think, my lead vocals during the pandemic. So um, if I'm remembering correctly, um, we did the, we laid down the music December and New Year 2020 and then, of course, March happened and um, I think it was early 2021 all the lead vocals were down. So um it was weird because, yeah, my, look, when I say there were no vocals, there were vocals there, but it was like me with my dog on my lap and it was the rough vocal that, you know, that was part of the to record the drums and the bass and it was that vocal. So it wasn't the sexy room vocal with the pop filter, you know, and I've got plosives, girl. I'm like, pah, pah, pah. so <laughs> I need that. But, um. Yeah, and um, I think also it needed harmony vocals. So um, by that point, Catherine Britt had offered to do harmonies on three of the tracks. Um, if I can remember this correctly, No SOS, uh, Country Queens and Poor Little Thing um, have got the lovely harmony vocals of Catherine Britt and it's just given it that um, wonderful intensity and you can sing your own backing vocals, but sometimes it just adds that different colour mm-hmm. that is a different vibe. And also, look, Paul's sung harmony vocals as well and um, Brad's done harmony vocals, especially on um, The Party's Over and um, one of the other ones. I'm having a mental blank. 
Well, there are 14 on, songs on the album. So 14, yeah, there's 14. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot. I think it's it's a perfect number. It's it's. I think it's great as a listener when you're really enjoying an album to know there are lots of songs. It's really sad when it ends on like eight songs. Fourteen is great. I so. um I had fourteen on Holy Smoke as well. So I don't know. I think there was supposed to be thirteen on Holy Smoke, and we threw an extra one in. And we were supposed to be thirteen on closing time, and I threw an extra one in with Country Queens. Oh, there you go. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Well, it is a very satisfying album, and I imagine you are going to present it through some shows. Hopefully, coming up, there's some live shows. So, can people see you somewhere soon? We've actually done it a little bit in reverse. So, we've, um, we've played a lot of shows before the album was out, and because we've trickle fed, well, I shouldn't say trickle fed, I feel like I've blasted people in the face once a month. Like, because the singles have come out quite fast. So um, I think probably five weeks between each one and um, there have been five now. I think I think this one's the sixth one, no SOS, or is it the fifth? I can't remember. So um, it's a little bit in reverse and we've got Rock Guy who's going to have some surgery on his arm, so he's going to be out of action. So I don't know. We've probably... Um, We've probably got a few little shows, but they're in the works at the moment. But we've just we've just played the last few months, and we did Tamworth, which was amazing. So um, we showcased the album in Tamworth, Fantastic. and um, it was my first official Tamworth as Ingrid May, the artist. So it was it was awesome. Yeah, very good. And to go back to where we started talking about your songwriting, given that you write so much, is there a temptation for you to think, right, well, this album's done. I'm going to move on now and I've got new things to do. I totally drop stuff and and I think the beauty in having let it sit for a little bit is I didn't get covered in it and sick of it. And so when when it came to Paul, he we did the final master with Don Bartley like Don Bartley from um I can't recall Don's mastering company. But anyway, he did a fantastic job. But um, when I heard the mastered album, um, it sounded new to me because, and normally you're right, I'm terrible. I'm like, that's old. What about this song, Shiny New? <laughs> like, listen to this one. Oh, my God. But, um, and Brad always tells me to not do it either. But I guess naturally you just always want to write the best song in the world right. that you've ever written. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you want it to be. You know, it's like any piece of art. Like you, you cut up the pattern. You would make a dress. It's going to be the best dress on the in the world, and then you make it, and you're like, meh, I'll make another one. You know, but I think that's what I've always been like. Right. So have you yeah, always been? No, sorry, go on. No, I, I, I'm trying to be different with this because I think I had that break. Okay. Right. From it. Yeah. But have you always been creative? Like even when you were a little girl, were you making things and, and curious about all different art forms? Yeah, I I was with my dad welding in the shed. I was making cricket bats. I was painting, sewing. Um, I I was always making and, and doing stuff. My mum's really creative. My, my, my whole family are quite 
imaginative, you know what I mean? So I think I was very tactile um, and even like you can't really see this room very much but like I've mosaic the mirror. The, right. I, think I took my picture down because I wanted the Golden Girls vibe with the, <laughs> the Brolga. I think it's a Brolga. Anyway. So, yeah, I, but a lot of the stuff I've, I've made or painted or reupholstered or right. so yeah the whole house is just full of weird stuff so um if you're ever at my house I'll show you all my stuff <laughs> and I'm terrible for collecting so I've got trinkets and things or if someone's um you know thrown out a beautiful side cabinet I'll be like I'll paint that and it'll be fabulous and I know so yeah I'm terrible I'm, I've got to stop collecting <laughs> It's also when you're talking about the welding and the cricket bats, it makes makes me think you're interested in the in the nitty gritty of how things are made, which also helps me understand how you can well not not how you can write so many songs, but just that you have that curiosity in how things are made. So it's like let's write this song, see what's in it. Let's write another song, see what's in that. So it's obviously that balance of being interested in structure and, yes. and how to make something as well as that create more creative side. Yeah, and the, you're funny you say that because when I when I do it, um, it'll 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 pretty much be a form song with the verse. If it's got a bridge, I'll know it's got a bridge. If it doesn't, it doesn't have a bridge or whatever. But I don't come back to stuff very often. It's either written and it's done, and I've got an audio file which is my um, like my guide track mm-hmm. and like my demo and. Um, I rarely go back and go, oh, no, I'm going to rewrite the verse or I'm going to rewrite this, I'm going to change. I don't. It's that's it and it's done and if that's the creation and that's, I don't do that very often. I, I may have only done it twice in my life with a song right. that I've gone back and went, oh, I'm going to swap the chorus, the chorus of this song with the chorus of that one. Like I don't, right. I don't do that much, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, no, it's, I always find it interesting to hear those sorts of things about an artist's background because clearly everything you've experienced over your life you know, feeds into your creativity now. And in, in wrapping up, that's how we get a great album. Well, that's a segue. <laughs> it is. Because I've just realised I've had, had you talking for quite a long time. You may wish to go and do other things. On I your talk evening. a lot. I'm so sorry. I no, no, no. No, no, no. It's all interesting. Please never apologise for talking. I always think it's fascinating. And it has been fascinating talking to you, Ingrid May. But I will let you go because you may wish to do other things with your evening. Uh, the album is Closing Time. I thoroughly recommend it to everyone watching and listening. And uh, they'll catch you down the road in shows. I, I, check my Facebook and my website. I promise we will be playing somewhere, <laughs> sometime. <laughs> Great to talk to you. Thanks, Ingrid. You too, Sophie. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.